welcome to The Uplift, the show that celebrates women leaders who lift each other. I'm Carol Shabrias, a higher ed executive on a mission to help women leaders restore joy and meaning to their daily work. After more than 25 years serving colleges and universities, I am over higher ed's culture of busyness and burnout, especially for women leaders. Leadership churn is no joke, and it's no wonder. Not only does higher ed work us to exhaustion, it leaves no space for the passion that drew us to it in the first place. Instead, we find ourselves caught in what can feel like a meaningless slog to a paycheck. From quitlet to the great resignation to the great reassessment, women are fleeing higher ed in search of joyful, integrated lives. And yet, colleges and universities matter. The ways we shape young minds and prepare them for intelligent and informed global citizenship, that matters. So, if you're a woman committed to higher ed and you seek balance and joy in your professional life, welcome. This podcast is for you. Hey there, welcome to episode three called How to Be Her Ally. Today, I'm taking a piece of advice from Gretchen, who is a woman I met at an event hosted by the Doyen Group in Madison, Wisconsin. The Doyen Group supports entrepreneurs who identify as women and or express a marginalized gender. I've been working with Doyen in an accelerator program, and Gretchen showed up at an event to give feedback to our particular cohort of entrepreneurs. Gretchen's pretty familiar with higher ed, and she mentioned to me that she and her husband talk about what it means to be an ally to female colleagues in your department. She suggested that I develop some materials specifically to help folks know what to do as allies, what specific actions they can take. So that's what today's episode is about, five ways to be an ally. Now, these tips are helpful for all of us, no matter our gender expression. I'm gonna talk through these tips in the episode, but I've also made a little PDF and I'll put a link to that guide in the show notes. If you follow the Clario group on LinkedIn or Facebook, you'll find the PDF there as well. Okay, so let's get started. Tip number one, halt the heapeats. Okay, so this is not a new concept. And if you're a woman, you know what I'm talking about. But literally just this week, I learned that there's a word for this. A heapeat is when you say something in a meeting and it gets no traction. And then a guy says the same thing a few minutes later, and suddenly it's the best idea anyone's ever heard. So tip number one for supporting your female colleagues, put a stop to the heap eating. I don't mean only don't do it yourself, although of course I mean that, but I also mean put a stop to it when it happens. So this requires first that you listen for it, and then second that you interrupt it. So pay attention to the ideas and suggestions offered up by the women in the room you're in. If a female colleague shares a good idea, amplify it. Take a moment and say, hey, Samantha just shared an idea that's really worth talking about. And if you miss the opportunity to do that and then Sam gets heapeated, call it out. Hey Dave, that is an interesting idea. It sounds like what Samantha was proposing a few minutes ago. Let's take a few minutes to discuss this. Samantha, can you tell us more about what you were thinking? Okay, so why does this work? First of all, I can pretty much promise you that all the women in the room are going to notice that you're doing this. And that is a good thing because once you know your voice matters, 
you're more likely to use it. And the more voices you have in a conversation, the more genuinely diverse and inclusive the perspectives are, the better your decisions will be. There is really interesting science around this. And if you're up for a good read, I'm going to highly recommend the work of Scott Page at the University of Michigan. I'll drop a link to his bio in the show notes as well. Tip number two, redistribute housekeeping. Statistically, women do more physical and emotional labor at home, and this carries over into the workplace, where women are frequently asked to do things like organize department events, take meeting minutes, bring their delicious coconut banana cupcakes to celebrate the dean's birthday, you know, whatever. I bet if you were to start keeping tabs of who does what, you would notice that the women in your department do more of this office housework than the men do. Your job as an ally is to redistribute the housekeeping. Now, you can do this lots of ways. You could, for example, simply stop asking women to step in and do the work and only ask the men instead. That would probably shake things up in what might be a really interesting way. You could also ask people, probably privately, which department housekeeping duties they want to do and which they don't want to do, and then reassign things accordingly. Or you could take an inclusive, sort of democratic approach to this and create a rota. I have a colleague who lists every committee member at the bottom of the meeting minutes. The committee works its way through the list, with each member taking their turn as the secretary. Her list is alphabetical, but you could also order the list by seniority. In fact, you could order by seniority and, say, leave off the colleagues who are in their first year. You'll know what's most fair in your context and how to best be an ally to the women in your department. So why does this work? Office housework typically gets in the way of promotable activities. So if I'm busy baking my famous cupcakes, I'm not writing my journal article. If I'm editing and posting meeting minutes, I'm not working on that edited collection that's gonna make a splash in my field. If I'm literally taking minutes in the meeting, I'm probably spending more of my mental energy making sure my notes are complete and accurate, which gives me less brain power to actually participate in the meeting itself. Give back to your female colleagues the time they need to do meaningful work that will advance their careers. Tip number three, give her a power task. Okay, so don't just relieve women of office housekeeping. I mean, that's important. So is giving them meaningful work to do what will advance their careers. Okay, so let's say you're having an event and your department is choosing which guest speaker to invite. Now you know from tip number two that you're not going to ask the women in your department to be your party planners, but you could ask a female colleague to reach out to your guest speaker. Let her be the person to represent your department and institution. Let her be the person to build her network. Or let's say your department has some amazing stats on post-grad placement for your majors. Ask your IR office to compile those data into clear and aesthetically pleasing charts, and then invite one of your female colleagues to be the person to present those stats to the board of trustees. Okay, you get the idea. So why does this work? Every department has work that needs to get done. Some of it is drudgery, but some of it is really valuable to the person who is establishing her name, building her visibility, or broadening her network. Prioritize giving those assignments to your female colleagues. I'm not saying the men don't deserve chances to be visible. But I am definitely saying that men already have lots of those chances. Use your power to elevate the women around you. Tip number four, compliment her mind, not her manners. Okay, so my guess is if you're working at a college or university, you are surrounded by super smart and savvy women. My guess is also that those women spend more time fielding comments about their clothing and behavior than about their actual work. 
be the person who bucks this trend. When you're in conversation with or about a female colleague, compliment her ideas, her thinking, her judgment, her critical acumen. Do not comment on her clothing, her hairstyle, her fashion sense, or how nice she is. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever tell someone something nice about their appearance or their behavior. For example, I have a faculty colleague in chemistry who has this awesome dress. It has chemical symbols on it and it has pockets. I mean, it is terrific. And you can bet we talked about it and we talked about how she was rocking it. We also talked about her teaching and her research and her students and her scholarship and what she still wanted or needed as a new member of our campus. But perhaps most importantly, we didn't just talk about all these things. I did not bring up her dress. She brought her dress into the conversation. Now, I loved her dress and I had noticed her dress, but I wasn't going to bring it up. I waited to follow her lead in that conversation. And please, 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 please be especially vigilant about complimenting the minds of your female colleagues from traditionally underrepresented populations, whether because of their skin color, their gender expression, their visible abilities, their sexual identity, etc. Those colleagues of yours are facing higher hurdles than anybody else in the room. You owe it to them to highlight how excellent their work is. Okay, so why does this work? This works for a lot of reasons, but in this case, I especially want to call out that you are modeling excellent behavior for your students. Anybody with even a surface level understanding of student evals knows that women faculty are punished by students in those evals for how they look, for what they wear, for the sound of their voice, whether they're accommodating, whether they were emotionally supporting, all in ways men are not. Your students need not only to see diverse faculty on your campus, they need to see you treating those faculty as equals, with respect, with recognition for their intellect and their hard work and their deep expertise, everything that got them that job standing in front of students in the first place. Okay, and then finally, tip number five, praise her publicly, especially when she's not in the room. I think for many of us, it's easier to say something nice and even something respectful to someone when we're in a room together, even if that's a virtual meeting. Your job as an ally is to remember not only to praise her publicly, but to praise her even in her absence. So if you're a department chair, go out of your way to tell your dean about the stellar work of your new junior colleague Praise her thinking and her academic skills, not her manners, not her behavior, not her niceness, not her fashion sense. If you're in a meeting with other leaders, find the opportunity to call out the good work of the women in your department. Are your number of majors up? Is your retention getting better? If so, praise your female colleagues for their skillful teaching, not their niceness, not their emotional connections, their skillful teaching. Did one of your colleagues recently win an award from their professional group or did they get a publication accepted? Talk about this outside of your department. And when you do, call out your female colleagues by name and be specific about their accomplishments. Or even borrow from an earlier strategy. If you're in a planning session and someone wants to assign office housework to a woman in your area, mention that she won't have time to do that because of the complex and important project she's working on that will blah, 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 insert the institutional advantage here. That way you get to compliment her publicly while protecting her time, making sure that she can do meaningful, productive, career advancing work. So why does this work? Well, most organizations, not just colleges and universities, are quick to recognize and reward 
the men who work there. Your job as an ally is to normalize the behavior of rewarding and recognizing women. This has really great ripple effects. First, more of your colleagues will be known across campus for their excellence. Remember, the men are already going to be getting attention. It's not like you're trading and giving the women attention and the men are getting less. The men are still going to get all their attention. But by ensuring that women do too, you're actually producing a net increase in the positive visibility of your whole department. Second, the more your female colleagues are known for their excellence and not just for their cupcakes and kindness, the more meaningful assignments they'll get from other places. This can open doors for them into parts of the university where they might find themselves really growing. Maybe they'll get engaged in governance. Maybe they'll accompany the president on fundraising visits. Maybe they'll be invited to speak to the press. Third, your institution will be well represented by more women, which will make it easier to attract and retain female scholars and female students in your major. This will make it more likely that the women who do come are treated well and stay. And then you'll have less faculty turnover, which means less time in hiring committees, less time onboarding new colleagues, less hassle. And perhaps if you're really good at this, you'll even become known as an institution where women are welcome because they thrive in their academic careers. So there you have it. Five really easy things you can do to become a better ally to the women you work with. Here's a recap. Number one, halt the heap heats. Number two, redistribute housekeeping. Number three, after you've redistributed the housekeeping, give her a power task. Number four, compliment her mind, not her manners. And number five, praise her publicly, especially when she's not in the room. So if you like these tips, you can nab a copy of the little handout I made. Um, it's linked in the show notes. It'll be on LinkedIn and you can find it on Facebook as well. If you're a woman listening to this, consider joining like-minded women to learn and grow in your leadership practice. You can do that through two different workshops, the Leadership Academy or the Leadership Community. I host both over at the Clario Group. The Leadership Academy is a self-paced three-week online course teaching you how to draw on your values in order to infuse your leadership with clarity, purpose, and joy. The course has three parts. In Getting Clear Within, you'll explore how your values shape who you are and what really motivates your actions. In Getting Clear With Others, you'll discover actionable strategies for intentionally bringing your values and your motivations into your leadership role. And finally, in Getting Clear On Purpose, you'll develop new planning habits to help you set intentions, establish and maintain accountability, design projects and initiatives for maximum impact, and gather people to work in meaningful ways. Now, if you're looking for an added level of interactivity, consider joining the Leadership Community, which gives you all the content of the Leadership Academy, plus engagement with other participants in a private community space, as well as weekly office hours where we will gather in real time to ask each other questions and lend each other support. The Leadership Academy and the Leadership Community both launch in July. You can learn more and even sign up for a waitlist, which will give you early bird access and a discounted registration rate at our website, www.theclariogroupalloneword.com. Cannot wait to see you there. So hey friends, that's a wrap for episode three. See you next week. Same time, same place.
for the next episode of The Uplift, the podcast for women leaders and their allies in higher education.